us to pick up where we left off on the miraculous voyage as we looked at Acts chapter 27 and 28. It is significantly dispensational in carrying out the purpose of God. Uh, it's, we see it strongly as we see the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, departing Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the capital of the Jews, and heading out to Rome, the capital of the Gentiles. That in itself is significantly important. But it's also significantly important as, as we look at the practical application, the spiritual application that we can glean from, from this miraculous voyage of the Apostle Paul as, as he departs from the nation, nation of Israel. A uh, couple of things I want to remind you of that we looked at last week uh, that's critical in understanding what's going on. Uh, in Acts 21, we have Paul is arrested. Uh, he's arrested there in Jerusalem, and it is extremely important that we understand why his arrest is important, because he had taken funds that he had collected from the Gentile churches to Jerusalem for the poor saints uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem. Now, that's significant extremely significant because that indicates that the kingdom program was starting to scale down, that the kingdom program was starting to phase out. The Lord Jesus had told the apostles in John chapter 14, whatever you ask my father in, in my name, he will do it. Uh, Christ had told the disciples to sell everything they have, give it to the poor. That's exactly what they did in preparation for the kingdom to be established, the tribulation to begin. And what did the uh, kingdom believers do at the very beginning? They sold everything they had. They had it in common. So the fact that the kingdom of heaven was rejected, the those that had sold everything, those who... Uh, had followed the Lord's instructions, had done what the apostles had told them to do. And Acts chapter 4 uh, is an indication of the, the fact that the kingdom program was being withdrawn. And so Paul goes down there. They shouldn't have been the poor saints. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, the Lord had told them, your father knows what you have need of. So uh, there's no need for you to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, so the fact that Paul was going to Jerusalem with funds to those uh, uh, Jewish kingdom believers is, is highly significant as he is leaving Jerusalem. The other thing that we need to keep in mind is that uh, the reason given for his arrest is, number one, he had told them that Christ was sending him to the Gentiles. And those uh, Jewish folks there were just, they were beside themselves. They couldn't believe it. They started throwing uh, dust up in the air, and they started uh, taking off their clothes, preparing to stone him. Why? For the single reason he said, I'm, Christ is sending me to the Gentiles. And 
They couldn't have that. They didn't want that, although God had told Israel, you are going to be a light unto the Gentiles. You're going to be a nation of priests. Well, they were not only rejecting the kingdom, they were rejecting uh, their mission, what they were supposed to do. The other reason that he gives for being arrested that caused them to be so angry was because he preached the resurrection of Christ. Two times during this period, during his arrest, he makes sure they understand that it's because of his message concerning the resurrection of Christ that they were really upset. Kind of gives you an idea of the hardness of heart and what was going on with the, the uh, religious leaders there in the nation of Israel. Uh, the third thing I want us to remember about this that we, we emphasized last week is that when Paul shared the message with, with uh, Felix, what was Felix's response? Number one, God's Word says he trembled. He trembled as he heard uh, what Paul had to say concerning Christ and the judgment to come. Uh, Felix goes on to say, you know, I think I'll hear more of this when it's convenient. How sad those words are. And how many other people, that's been their attitude. Well, when it's more convenient, uh, I'll listen to the gospel. When it's more convenient, uh, I'll, I'll listen to what you say about the judgment to come. That just saddens me greatly to think of Felix spending eternity with that thought going through his, his mind. The other one that he talked to was Agrippa. And he shared and talked to Agrippa about the resurrection. And what does Agrippa say to him? King Agrippa, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. Can you imagine going through eternity and not or, or, and with that thought, uh, almost, that was that close, almost. To me, that's two of the saddest portions of Scripture throughout the, throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, uh, in Acts 17, 32, we find out exactly what most people are going to do when you share the gospel. You're going to get one of three reactions one of three reactions when you share the good news. Acts 17, 32 says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, We will hear, this, uh, we will hear thee again of this matter. Verse 33 says that uh, and when they heard of the resurrection, so Paul departed among them. But some believed. Some believed. So when you share the gospel, people are either going to reject it, they're going to put you off, or they're going to believe. They're going to trust Christ as their Savior. So knowing that those are the, one of the three reactions, I would say, we do what? We share the gospel. One out of three, I, mean, I, I wished it was three out of three they were going to believe. But that's one of the, uh, one of the reactions. And so we share the gospel. We share with people what Christ has done on their behalf. It's interesting that God has not called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. I shared with Shirley this week when she was so grieved over her grandsons to rejoice that she's planted a seed. 
Pray that God sends someone along to water that seed concerning the truth of the gospel in her grandson's lives. And then God's going to give the increase. And so that's how we approach a lost world that's desperate to hear the good news of Christ, knowing some are going to mock us, some are going to reject, some are just going to put you off and go, well, we'll hear you of this matter. Yeah, we'll come back when it's more convenient. But folks, some are going to believe. And it's those who believe rejoice over the glorious truth of what's taken place in their lives. The fourth thing we learned last week uh, concerning this voyage is that the, the reason Paul finally had to appeal to Caesar was because uh, they were, a, a Festus was about to say to Agrippa, there's really no reason we, we ought to hold this guy. And Paul would, why don't we just send you back to Jerusalem and you stand before those accusers there, but there's really no reason to hold you. You've not done anything worthy of death. What did Paul know? He knew there were 40 men back in Jerusalem who had taken a vow that they were going to kill him. And the the vow was they're not going to eat anything. And it had already been two years that he had been up up there before uh, Felix and before Festus and now uh, talking to Agrippa. So... He had to appeal to Caesar. Plus, the Lord had also appeared to him and said, Paul, be of good courage because I want you in Rome. I want you. You are going to stand before Caesar. And I guarantee you, the gospel was shared with Caesar. God had told Paul in Acts chapter 9, when he had separated him, when God had called him, that you will be a a chosen vessel to go before Gentiles, to go before Israel, and to go before kings. And so God's plan and purpose was not going to be thwarted as he sent Paul out to, to minister. C.R. Stam depicts this voyage that we're about to look at as symbolic of the believer's journey, the voyage of life. Uh, the, the ship represents the church, the body of Christ. The sea is the world in which we sail. And that wind, that storm, that hurricane that comes up, that is the devices of Satan, the devices that he uses to try to thwart our service to him. So as we look at this story uh, and we go through all these different points, uh, I think it's important that we remember that there is an application here. Not, is it, not only is it a tremendous dispensational truth showing the distinctions and things that were changing, but there are so many applications that we can apply to our Christian journey as Satan actually throws everything he can to halt the process of, uh, of Paul heading to, to uh, Rome. One thing to keep in mind as we go through this, that all aboard that ship were safe. Now, the winds might be contrary. It might be dangerous. But everyone on that ship, they were safe. And God was going to bring them safely to the shore. Um, Not easy, this Christian life. It can be difficult. God 
never promised that it was going to be smooth sailing all the way through our life. As a matter of fact, smooth sailing is not good for you. Smooth sailing doesn't treat doesn't teach you anything about trusting God and depending on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that rough sailing that teaches you how to be good sailors. Sorry, prosperity preachers. Sorry, those of you that, that uh, say that if God's just not pouring out blessing after blessing, and if you're not driving fancy cars, and if you're not dress, uh, wearing fancy suits, and if you're not living in big houses, why, you're just not, you're not pleasing God, and if you'll send us $1,000, you'll start pleasing God. That's not the way it works. Amen? That's not the way it works. So we see from this voyage, and, and as a matter of fact, Paul had just written to the believers in Rome just a little bit before, well, about four years now, uh, prior to this voyage, he had written to these Roman uh, believers uh, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse, eight, uh, verse 3. In, in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 3, Paul had, had written to them, and he was about to be able to practice what he had written, talking about how they glory in their position in Christ. But not only so, we glory in tribulations. You don't really hear a lot of believers going amen to those. What tribulations usually causes the gripes and complaints to come out. I know it does in my life. But that's not what God's Word says. What God's Word says is not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. That the word patience there in the Greek literally is perseverance. That those tribulations, it, it works perseverance. That we keep trying, that we keep serving. Verse 4, not only works perseverance or patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. So that that perseverance, that patience brings about experience. Experience in what? Experience in knowing that no matter what Satan throws at you, no matter what life throws at you, no matter how difficult the situation is, God is faithful, and you wouldn't know that unless you were going through those tribulations. You wouldn't know how faithful God is. And I'm going to tell you, it has been in the deepest, darkest, the most difficult times in my life that God has proven himself to be so very faithful. And we can praise him. I'm not saying it's comfortable. But that's when I really learn how glorious God is, how glorious, how faithful God is, is through that time. It's through those tribulations that I experience the faithfulness of God so that when I'm done through that experience my hope is well really it's assurance still thinking Neil when I use that word hope but it says in experience hope that when I go through the next the next tribulation the next difficult time why bring it on I know God's faithful he was faithful then he'll be faithful now and see, Paul is leaving, he's on his way to Rome, and he's already written that to them. So uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus gave him that message. So I guarantee you that was real to him as he was setting sail. 
The other point I want to make as we get into it, and you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 27, but the other point I want to make sure we understand is that Paul is the central figure in this story. Paul is the central figure. He, he is, well, the central figure is the Lord Jesus. He is the guiding figure as they, as they set sail. He is the one who provides advice for the journey. He starts out advising them, don't leave. Now, he was ready to go to Rome, but he makes sure they understand, don't leave now. They should have listened to Paul. They should have listened to him. As we go through our Christian life journey, we need to understand that the Apostle Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles. It is in his epistles that we go to for the directive, the marching orders for the church, the body of Christ. And here he was the guiding figure. He still is. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was God's man. And they would do well to listen to him just as we would do well to heed his words. People say, oh, you worship Paul. No, we don't. Not at all. We recognize that he was the chief of sinners. We, we understand that it was by grace he was saved. We understand that he was a mere mortal man but used of God. The whole point is, here is the chief of sinners saved by God's amazing grace. If the Lord can save this man who was taking those kingdom believers and having them thrown in jail and slaughtered, if God can save him and use him, whoo, Imagine what he can do with us. That's exactly the message of what's going on, going on here. Just as God called Moses to lead Israel out of captivity, a man who was the meekest, he was mild, he was, you know, he argued with God, he didn't feel like that he was capable of doing what God was calling him to do. But no one ever told the Jews, well, you worship Moses. But God used Moses to the nation of Israel. Well, folks, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and we would do well to listen to him. And that's what this story really is all about. As a matter of fact, while we're there, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. To the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Be ye followers of me. Um, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? The word there, followers, is uh, mimetis. It means mimic. Be ye mimics of me. Look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as also I am of Christ. Folks, I didn't write that, but I believe it because it's God's word. Be ye followers of me. It's because he is God's man. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. And what he says, the church had better listen to and better understand that this is God's marching orders to the church, the body of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 16. Verse 25, 
1625, now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. My gospel. Paul, how dare you call that your gospel? Because it's the gospel that Christ gave to him specifically to declare. Not the gospel of the kingdom, but the gospel of the grace of God. And so as we look at what's going on in this, this, uh, this voyage to, to Rome, we need to, need to understand what is applicable here is to understand that how uh, Paul is that guiding figure. Uh, look at Romans 11, verse 13. And if Paul's right here, this is what he'd say to you. Romans eleven thirteen. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. Now, the whole purpose of that is so that we would know to listen to what he says. And boy, would they have fared a whole lot better on this trip had they listened to the Apostle Paul. Folks, we love the Lord Jesus. We worship him. We acknowledge that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. We acknowledge that he is God himself. He is the one we worship. But we also acknowledge that the revelation of the mystery, the truth concerning this present dispensation of grace was given to Saul of Tarsus. And there's a special message from God to us concerning that salvation that we enjoy today. So I want to make sure we understand that as we set sail on this, on this journey. So back to Acts 27. Let's start with verse 13. Acts chapter 27, verse 13. So they have already set sail. Tim, put that picture up there. Man, I have a laser printer and a pointer, everything. I feel so fancy. Well, here, can you see that? Well, right, right. And, and I, you know, and I want to thank Rob Dressel. Rob Dressel uh, sent this picture to me. Uh, Rob's probably listening right now. He's in New York, and he's probably listening over the, the radio. So everybody say hi to Rob. Yeah, see, now that he'll love that, by the way. He might even send me another picture but uh, of another map. But I think my pointer. Anyway, can you see that? That is where Paul is leaving from, and he goes up to Sidon. And from Sidon, he comes, and he talks about how he goes over Cyprus, uh, or goes near, near Cyprus. He comes up here to Myra, to Lycia. The Bible talks about that. Then he goes over here. Here he, he gets on a different boat, uh, and he goes over here to Sindus, talks about that. He goes down. It, it, they're going slow at this point. They go really slow. They go slow. They come down here to Solmene. They'll go up here to Lycia. They think, well, let's just, let's just port here. Uh, right here, but they said, nah, let's go. It's a little safer over here, so they go here. But all of a sudden, they get to Fair Havens. And this is where we pick up, okay? That's right, right there. This is fun. So, verse 13. So that's, that's where they are, verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, their purpose was to get to Rome, loosening they there, they sailed 
close by Crete. So that's, you can just leave that map up there. So they sail close by, uh, by Crete. Now, what I want to point out is, as we apply this to our Christian life, um, sometimes we can be deceived. Sometimes we can be deceived. And we think, well, boy, it's, everything is just smooth sailing. Everything that's fa- all fair weather. Everything is just going so good. And things are going so well. Why, this must be of God. This must be of God. Well, folks, not necessarily. Because sometimes we can be deceived into believing things that it are not so. When we're charting the waters of our life, the only sure compass is the Word of God. How things are going, how excited we are for life, how wonderful things are going for us is not a clear indication of what God is doing in our lives. It is God's Word that we use as a compass to chart our life. It's so easy to be deceived just as this crew was deceived. Paul had already told them, don't leave. Basically, he knew it was hurricane season. Don't leave. You better stay put. There's a better time to sail. But the owner of the ship and the captain of the ship said, man, don't listen to him. Why, we've got to get this grain. We've got to get this cargo. We have to get these prisoners to Rome. So we know best. But the truth of the matter is they didn't. And so sure enough, they got to Crete there. They were deceived. And as soon as they left Crete, as soon as they left Fair Havens, and they started up, that is when the hurricane hit. And boy, when that hurricane hit, it was atrocious. Verse 15, And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. They couldn't control it anymore. See, they had been deceived. They left when they shouldn't have left. They were doing things they shouldn't be doing at that point. And so they, they got caught up in something they couldn't control anymore. And the only alternative they have is just, we're going to cast ourselves to the wind and let it go. Verse 16, there they had no control. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. Ever had times in your life when all of a sudden it's pretty stormy? And you think, i got to take control. i got to start doing all the work. i got to start making it better. If you have, and I have, a lot. So I know what that's like. I've got to fix it. I've got to make it better. I'm the one that got me into this mess. And God proves himself to be so faithful during those tribulations and gently, lovingly, graciously, he says, well, I get the feeling because he didn't really say it and I'll, I'll never put words in Christ's mouth, but he'd be right to say, I told you so. I told you so. And basically, that's kind of what Paul's getting ready to say to them. 
And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat if they're going to fix it. And verse 17 is an interesting verse, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, struck sail, and so were driven. They pulled their sails down. They had no more control. They were just letting the wind take them away. But one of the things they did do is what every ship, every cargo ship, had something very interesting. They had ropes that went all the way from under the ship all the way up where they could bring those ropes across the bow and they could tie all along the ship, they could tie those ropes together. And the word there was frapping. I don't know if we have many sailors here. I think Neil's back over there. But it's called frapping, where they would take all those great big ropes, and, and the ship was like this, and, and they, would tear, they, they would take those ropes from one side to the other. And what was the purpose of that? To keep that ship from breaking apart. To keep that ship from coming apart during these high winds. And so that's what they did. That gives us an idea of how serious the situation is. They needed helps. They needed to frap that ship. Hebrews 4 verse 16 tells us something that I think we need to apply to this very story. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of needs. The word help there is the same word here in, in Acts. The idea is God is the one who holds us together. You ever felt like it was God that was controlling that frapping? Because he is. As this ship was sailing, they needed something to hold it together. They couldn't do it themselves. And so they relied on the frapping, the help, to hold that ship together. And I'm telling you, there have been times in my journey and in your journey that if it weren't for that grace to frap us together in time of, of need. And I think we can apply that truth to what's going on here. In verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So sometimes the storms of life are going to take its toll. It's going to take its toll on us as believers. Now, they had the help. They had the frapping. They had done everything they could to hold that ship together. And, and they were trusting. They were believing that that those ropes were going to hold that ship together. But the end, they were still in the storm. They, that storm was relentless. And even though the frapping was there, we, they were still going through the storm. And I got news for you. There have been times in, in my life, and I'm sure your life, where you know that it was God's help, it was God's grace that was sustaining you, but the storm was still going on. And by faith, we believe, Lord, you promised that we're going to come through this. And this, this tribulation, this time of difficulty, it is, you're allowing us to go through this because you're going to show yourself to be faithful. And he was 
And he is that help. Being exceedingly tossed, that just tells me how bad that storm really was. You want to talk about how horrible a Mediterranean cruise can, can, uh, can take, a storm in the Mediterranean can be? Talk to Marge. She's experienced that. Uh, so ask her about these hurricanes that come up in the Mediterranean. She shared that with me uh, before, so talk to her. Right? You'll talk to you. It's not a pleasure trip. Makes you wonder, why did I ever walk onto this boat? So they started lightening the ship. You know, that cargo that, those, that, that the captain and the, the owner of the boat was so interested in getting to, to Rome and selling along the way. And it was, who cares what's going to We've got to get this. This merchandise to, to the market, what was happening here is they started pitching it out. All of a sudden, it wasn't nearly as important as they thought it was. Being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship can't begin to tell you how absolutely important tackling is to a ship. And it describes two things. One, the tackling has to do with the, the mainsail and all of the, the uh, harnesses and all of the ropes and everything that, that allows them to put the sails up and take the sails down. But the tackling is also what in, enables them to take the, the merchandise, the stuff that's on the boat, off the boat. The tackling uh, was absolutely necessary, but no more. All of a sudden, they're finding out really what's necessary and what's not necessary. And when you start taking the tackling and unloading it, boy, that is, that's surrender. That's surrender to your circumstances. And that's what's going on here. When they started uh, not just taking down the sails but taking down the equipment that would set the sails or take that shows you the desperation to keep that boat from coming apart verse 20 and when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away they were serious they were in serious serious trouble so this had been going on for many days they'd done everything they could humanly possible to keep that boat afloat but the storm was about to get the best of them but God but God isn't that interesting and when neither sun nor stars of many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long absence, abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. And he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. I told you so. I, telling people I told you so was scriptural. So. 
and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. What? Remember, they're in the middle of the storm. The boat's up and the boat's down and the waves are treacherous. And it, it, they're pretty frightened. But now I encourage you, I urge you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. This ship is not going to survive, but everybody aboard the ship is going to be safe. You are going to make it safe. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve person I belong to, the Lord Jesus Christ, he appeared to me, and his, this is what he said, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. That's good news. If you own that boat, that's good news. But it's all good, also good news for the church, the body of Christ, as we're sailing, that God's not going to lose any of you. You will safely, you will safely reach heaven's shore. Aren't you glad of that? You've been sealed into the day of redemption. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. He is going to get you safely home. I can't tell you how wonderfully glorious that truth is. Fear not, you must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all of them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. When he shares this with them, again, the storm is still raging. You know, it might have been easy to believe if he'd walked out and the sun was shining and the seagulls were flying and, and things had gotten, oh, there, oh, it's kind of nice. You know, God told me that you're, we're all going to be saved. He comes out and gives them this message and the storm is still raging. It is by faith that they're going to have to believe what Paul just told them came from the Lord. Verse 26, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. You know why? God had a purpose. There was a reason they were going to be cast on that island because there were people there that needed to hear the gospel. There were people there that God had a plan and a program for. And how all of this, it, it was frightening to them. It was scary to them. But there were those on the island that were about to hear the truth of God's word, that God loved them, that Christ died for them, that he was buried, he rose again, and they had never heard it before. And God was going to use these extreme measures to get that truth to those people. So the storm was worth it. They, they would have not have taken that, that other course. They might have gone a, a, a much easier route. But you must be cast upon a certain island because God's going to do two amazing things, or actually three. Well, a whole lot of amazing things, but three specific. 
But when the fourteenth night was come, and we were driven up and down in Andrea, about midnight the ship, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and they sounded and found it to be 120 feet. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again, and they found it to be 90 feet. And then fearing lest they should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Now Paul has said, you're going to be okay. But there was still some doubt. There was still some fear. There was a whole lot of anxiety, I'm sure, even at that point. But even though they were fearful, even though they were anxious, even though they were wishing for the day because they could see where they were going, Everyone was still safe. Everyone was still secure in Christ. So they wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they let down the boat into the sea under the color or under the pretense as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. See, the, the shipmen. They were, let's deceive everybody on board this ship. Let's make them think that we're about to do something when they, the truth of it is we're going to do something else. But I'm telling you something, and, and this, that message there really deserves a whole lot more attention than we can give it today. But I am telling you, there's a lot of deception that goes on in the church today. There are a lot of people preaching things that are in error, and people are being misled, and people are being led astray, and people are suffering because of the deception that's going on. People are doing things that they shouldn't be doing in the church, the body of Christ, yet they're doing it. There is deception, and there, is, and there was deception here. But fortunately, fortunately, you, you know what they did? See, Paul recognized the deception. God's man recognized the, the deception that was going on. And Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, and I can just kind of imagine him going, <clears throat> excuse me, but except these abide in the ship, you can't be saved. Or reminding them, unless they stay in the ship, don't fall for their deception and unless they stay in the ship, you're not going to be saved. And what did the soldiers do? And then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and they let her fall off. They started listening to Paul. They took his advice. That's where there was safety. And it was by faith they did that, absolutely because Paul had already said, God's going to get you safely to shore. No one's going to lose, not even a hair on your head. So the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, and they let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take food, saying, This day is the 14th day that you have tarried, and you've worked, and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is your health. For there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had spoken, he took bread. 
and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. What was still happening at this time? The storm. He, they were still in the middle of the storm. What was Paul doing here? He was demonstrating his faith in God's word. That what God said was going to happen was going to happen. Do you th not think that was a tremendous influence on all those who gathered? Here he was, he was the storm was still going, and I, it was still no small tempest. Now they knew they were getting closer to land, and at just any second, whammo, they could crash into something. But he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. 276 people were watching Paul eat. And then they were all of good cheer. And they also took some food or some meat. You see what Paul did as a believer in Christ? As someone who trusted God's word, he influenced 276 people. By his actions, he demonstrated his faith in God, and God was going to honor that, even with a storm blasting them from every side. And when we were all in the ship, 276 of us, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, and cast out the wheat into the sea. Still had work to do. When it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, and into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. See, they made the ship lighter so that when they did have the opportunity, they were going to take it. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea. They still didn't know where they were. They loosed the rudder bands, and they hoist up the mainsail in the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas meet or met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Again, there was doubt, there was fear, there was anxiety, there was distress, but God was faithful through it all. Amen? Chapter 28, quickly, and when they escaped, they found a barbarous people, which means those that spoke a different language. They came and they helped to every one of them. And they saw that they were cold, and they saw that they were needy. And Paul, and this is, this is important, Paul gathered a bundle of sticks, and he laid them on the fire, and there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And it bit him, and everyone stood around and went, oh, my, he must have done something really bad. He, he managed to get out of the ocean. He managed, the sea didn't get him, get him, but that snake did. That viper got him. 
But what did he do to that viper? He shook it off. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know what's significant about that? You know what's a, a, a truth, a dispensational occurrence there that we understand what's going on? Back in Jerusalem, what had, what had Christ called the priests and the religious leaders back there? Vipers. Vipers. Well, they didn't get him then. Here he is on this island. The fact that the first thing that he meets is a viper, and basically he is saying, it has, there's no effect. There's no effect. God has a purpose for me. I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And he shook it off, and they were in amazement. Then the leader of that island, Malta, his father was sick. God goes, uh, Paul goes, and God heals that man. And then all these others started go, coming and, and being healed. God had a purpose on that island. He sent Paul to that island for that specific purpose. See, God has a purpose. God's plan will not be thwarted. God's purpose will not come to an end just because of Satan's wiles and cunning devices. And I can tell you, he'll do the very same for you as you trust God in your daily voyage. As you set sail, God's faithful. And a lot of the difficulty you bring on yourself, a lot of the difficulty you cause, and I'm speaking from personal experience, but what I can also tell you is God will hold you fast. He will hold you fast. Amen? Tim's going to play a song, a short song. And the message here, I think, just goes along with this message. is that It is God who holds us fast through any ordeal 